welcome back to another episode of Culturally Conscious. My name is Rebecca Lang, and here with me today, I have bestie of the pod, Sarah Best. Hello! She's back again. She's ready to say some thoughts, (laughs) and we're so happy to have her here. If you are new to the Culturally Conscious community, welcome. We're so happy to have you here, and we just love to talk about culture and what it means for us, so... Very happy to have you here on this episode, and okay, I just have to get one thing out of the way first. I did go to the Eros Tour concert. It was life-changing. It was incredible. I cried the first 20 to 30 minutes just bawling (laughs) for like 30 minutes straight, and I just, I love Taylor Swift so much. What? Okay, so what are your thoughts on her now? I know last time... When you were came on the pod, I was like slandering you for not being a true Swifty, but uh, okay. where are you now? I would say I did feel a little left out that I didn't go to the the tour because I feel like it is a cultural phenomenon right now. Like everyone is um everyone and their mother is going to the concert. So I think, you know, if she does another one, I'll go. <laughs> I felt like I was like, I need to like see what's the deal with it. But I think she's really smart, and I feel like she must work her ass off every day to do what she does, and she's very committed to the art of music and... Well, storytelling in general. storytelling, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why her music has been, and you know, she says this a lot, a lot of people say this, that that's why she's been so successful is because she she tells such beautiful and almost as if you're there in the story with her she does have a way with words for Mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. she she does have a lot of imagery i feel like in her in her songs and i do appreciate that yes yeah and i was thinking about the song all too well of how it shows all these different snapshots at different points of a relationship and why everyone's so obsessed with that song and why i personally am obsessed with that it's like it feels like you go through the whole Thing. And then there's also, there's this French song that I really like that it starts at the beginning of a breakup and then by the end it's kind of like when you've moved on you know that you're going to be okay and that person's kind of gone out of your life but it's it's more of a memory now. And I love that song because it just, it takes you through like a whole grieving period of a relationship and you get to go from start to finish and I think that, I don't know why that's so... Oh, it's good. Well, I mean, I do know why. <laughs> well, I think it takes a lot of expertise and focus to, like, put your human, personal human experience and relate it to a lot of different people. Because we all, like, have, like, very similar emotions, but not the same exact experience. So I feel like it takes a lot of focus and thought to put that into a song and music. And, like, it, to have it relate to that many people is very expert level genius Ugh, I know and I I don't know I just think like storytelling so this episode today is going to be about myths legends storytelling and especially because you and I have been writing a script I've been thinking so much about how to properly convey a theme or a story to individuals and why what's even the point because I think when I was younger I, as much as I liked art and especially I loved theater, I didn't really see it as important or like very meaningful to the world. I think that's also partially why I was like, I can't do theater. I have to go do political science because then I'll actually be helping the world. And then I studied political science and I'm like, no, I have to do art because that's actually going to help the world. And so I really go back and forth. But 
I just think, like, especially from studying political science, I really learned that people's beliefs about whatever, whether it's their political beliefs or beliefs about themselves or about the world, it is all rooted in emotion. And so facts will never work to, like, speak to someone's heart to make them really feel more empathetic about a certain or a certain situation or whatever. But it's just, now I'm kind of like, oh, art is the only way to communicate or to really change people's minds. And because it just, it gives you, it's like, we're so empathetic as human beings that I feel like just by hearing a story or hearing what somebody else went through, we automatically can relate to that and can understand what's going on because we know we felt the same thing or we felt similar ways or whatever the case or may be. Or it's a whole new feeling. Yeah. It's, it's bringing back something else out. I went to a concert recently, actually. Oh, yeah. You know, How did that go? I went to Greta Van Fleet, and they were amazing. Honestly, it was the best concert I've been to. They really, and I love when they do this, but they put a lot of theatrics in their performance as well. Like, And they had, you know, fire, and, you know, they had a curtain drop um, to introduce them. And I, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love to be entertained. They, like, switch things up. They move stages. They had costume changes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I had, like, a point when I was watching this. I'm like, this is, this is what the human experience should be like. Like, finding art and enjoying it with other people. And I know it's, like, it's so important. Like, there's so many things going wrong in the world that need to be fixed and need solutions. But sometimes it's just so therapeutic to be with people who are all enjoying the same art, who are enjoying the experience and sharing it with each other. I was like, this is what, like, if we didn't have war and starvation and all these things happening, I'm like, we would just, as people, just be enjoying art all the time. And I'm like, we need to get to that point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like we kind of are, in a certain way, like... At that point, like, we're wearing clothes that are considered art, you know, Mm -hmm. when you do your little makeup, you're kind of, like, it's, everything we do, I feel like, is just for the vibes and for the aesthetic, uh, in terms of art and just, we like it, it just makes us happy, so I think we do surround ourselves with it, but we don't, maybe, I mean, a lot of people see the value in art, Mm -hmm. of course, but I think as a culture, especially in the U.S., we tend to be a little less... Well, it's not very practical. It's not always super profitable. So why are we going to make everything look beautiful, right? Most of our buildings in California, I feel like, are pretty ugly because people just wanted to make what was cheaper versus what was going to be more grandiose or pretty and things like that. So I don't know. But I do think art is so powerful now. And I I just think it's such an interesting thing to talk about because it's like, Why? I feel like a lot of people don't even really know why we like art so much and why it speaks to our souls, but we just, we love it. I feel like it's like you're communicating truth through fiction, which is, you know, a lot of people say that, but you're communicating like feelings and lessons through experience almost, because when you experience art, one, you're experiencing it, but like, especially a story It's almost like you're a part of it and you've gone through it. And so that's why you can remember, you know, this cautionary tale so well, because you felt like you felt scared when you heard that, uh, what's her name? (laughs) Little Red White, (laughs) 
With a wet riding hood. <laughs> Little wet riding hood. <laughs> Little red riding hood. You feel scared when you know that, like, the wolf is about to eat her, that grandmother's not mm-hmm. there. You felt that way. So it's almost like you're learning a lesson through someone's experience. Yeah. It's so interesting how emotion can translate through different means, like through music, through imagery. And I find it fascinating, and I think uh, since we are writing that script, it's I've been thinking about it more often for sure Mm -hmm. I agree also the fact that the only way for me that I really see to really communicate emotions and feeling it's all very abstract it's never really oh this is I don't know it's you're just saying this is exactly how I feel this is how I phrase it and this is I don't know it's usually very like we like to use symbolism we like Mm -hmm. to use imagery we like to use um, metaphors and things like that to really describe how we're feeling because the actual description falls short. Like, our emotions and our feelings are so much more abstract than than our rational, logical brain. Precisely. (laughs) Precisely. So, today, I'm going to be sharing a myth that is from the Chumash people because I went to outdoor school when I was a little kid, and because I am from Ventura County, California, hello, what's up, the 805, we went to an outdoor school that was on Chumash land, and so they would share a lot about their culture with us, and I remember they told me this myth, and it had always stuck with me, and so when we were doing this episode, I was like, wait, I feel like I should, originally I wanted to lean more German, but none of the German myths, I feel like, really stayed with me, and affected the way I view the world like this one did because this one was actually told to me when I was a little kid so it actually I don't know I feel like I didn't really know anything about German myths growing Mm -hmm. up I didn't hear anything about like Krampus or (laughs) (laughs) they were not using that uh with me but today I'm gonna be doing that and then you're gonna be telling us about I will be talking about fairies um, which is interesting that you said that you grew up with um, the story you're going to tell today because I did like have an affinity for fairies when I was little and thought I knew them and like we were in cahoots with each other. So I think, yeah, that is interesting. But I'm going to be talking about Irish folklore, particularly fairies. Love fairies. it. Okay, so I am going to read you the Chumash legend called Hole in the Blanket, and I'm just reading it from wilderutopia.com because the way it was worded was just so beautiful, and I didn't want to mess it up. So here we go, the hole in the blanket. They say that before the appearance of two-leggeds, the rocks, plants, and animals were the people of the world. They even talked like people. The world was a harmonious place in those early days of creation. Each morning, when people woke, they would consider their good fortune and say, thank you. They would stop to admire Grandfather Sun rise in the morning, giving appreciation for another day of living and loving. They went about offering the gifts they had been given, helping each other. They respected each other's differences and learned from them. They only took from the Mother Earth on an as-need basis, never wasting anything. People always stopped to watch Grandfather Sun go to bed and were grateful when Grandmother Moon arrived to shine her soft moonbeams upon them. Each night, before sleep, they would count their blessings again and again and say thank you. 
Those early days of peaceful world coexistence lasted many, many moons. I just want to say, I love Grandfather's Son I and Grandmother Moon. I'm like, okay. So obviously just starting with this legend, myths tell us so much about our cultural beliefs and how we see the world and obviously our spiritual beliefs. I just love <laughs> the beginning of this so much and just... The, the world that we are put in and seeing everything as being, like, our ancestors, us being really in relation to everything, everyone living in harmony, everyone seeing their differences as their strong, like, their powers, their strengths, and I just love it already so far. So I feel like this myth, like, being told all this stuff when I was a little kid, I was like, we can have that. Mm -hmm. We can do that again. Then one day, no one knows when, the people started to forget. And by people, I mean the birds and the rocks and the trees. No. <laughs> Upon rising in the morning, busyness seized their day. They would forget to greet Grandfather Sun and offer any appreciation. The people became jealous of each other, thinking others possessed more than them, greed overtaking their hearts. They began to disrespect Mother Earth. Instead of only taking what they needed, they consumed and sold all they could get. Short of cooperation with their neighbors... They thought of only helping themselves. The people got so busy doing things that they failed to notice Grandfather Sun going to bed. And they forgot about Grandmother Moon entirely. People separated into their own tribes and before long fought among themselves. They separated more and more, arguing, hating, and hurting each other. The creator had been watching and said, Enough! And threw a blanket over the whole world. Now the world was in darkness. People frightened. The plant nations withered and clean waters ceased flowing. The people were cold, hungry, afraid. Each of the tribes did what they could to remove the blanket. None of the stone people or the tree people were tall enough. The swimmers would paddle fast and leap from the water, but none came close to the blanket. The four-leggeds ran and jumped and climbed without success. Even the flyers could not reach the blanket. It was decided that all the tribes would come together in council and devise a plan to remove the blanket. The great council day arrived, all tribes present. Members went into circle, recounting fail efforts to reach the blanket. Even the eagle, flying highest and closest to great spirit, came nowhere near. People sad, hopeless, and more afraid than ever, in unison asked for help. Some kneeled down to the Mother Earth. Others raised arms toward the Father Sky and the Great Spirit. All at once, people prayed, and, with a, and a little messenger appeared center circle. It was Hummingbird. Some snickered, thinking, <laughs> What can this puny little bird have that can help? Aww. <laughs> I know, little Hummingbird. Yet, in the council, everyone is allowed to speak. And I just love that. I just feel like... I love that. I, I again, this is a reflection of Native American culture and how in the culture or in the council, everyone is allowed to speak and like it. It just shows so much of their values, and I'm like ah, crying because I love. Hummingbird said, "I have an idea. I can get on top of crow, and crow leaps into owl, and owl can stand on eagle. Then eagle can fly as high as he can. Then owl continues until she is tired. Then." Crow will keep going, and when he slows, I will take off and fly as high as I can. Maybe in this way, we will reach the blanket. The people considered this a good idea, giving them hope, which inspired them to remember. They recalled the importance of everyone, 
all offering their own special medicine, and even the smallest things can bring great gifts. The bird tribes agreed to give it a try. Hummer was on top of Crow, who stood over Owl, talons gripping Eagle's head. Eagle launched, flying higher than ever, until he could fly no more. Then Owl took off, and when tiring, Crow continued the climb. Crow flapped higher still, wings icing, and when reaching his ability, Hummingbird took off. Humming, Hummer? <laughs> it says yeah, Hummer. you said Hummer. Like, is that his nickname? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they changed it to Hummer. I like it. Mm-hmm. Hummer flew straight up as fast as she could. She made it to the blanket, and her beak went through the blanket and got stuck. Hummingbird just hung there for a while, resting. Then she shook herself loose and fell back to the earth. People saw the point of light where Hummingbird had pierced the blanket and were grateful. The people remembered more. They started working together, considering help and cooperation. All the bird tribes teamed up and Hummingbirds kept piercing the blanket. The rest of the tribes helped in preparing food and getting water. And finally, one day, Hummingbird made it all the way through the blanket. The creator saw this and said, This is the way the people should be living. Honor has been restored to the creation, and the creator removed the blanket from the world. Once again, the world was peaceful and happy. The people said thank you every morning and spent their days thinking of how they could help each other. They enjoyed each other's differences and respected Mother Earth. The people always remembered to stop and say good night to Grandfather Son and saying thank you again each night before sleep. The world was a wonderful place once again, and it was this way for many, many moons. Then, one day, no one knows when, the people, again, started to forget. Each month, when the moon is full, we see the hole in the blanket and are reminded that it's important to respect each other, to work together, to help each other, and that each one has their own special medicine to offer the world, including you. So, in the version that I heard, too, they said that the creator would put the blanket on every single night, well, for half of the day, Mm -hmm. to remind us to be grateful and to know that we, all all of these lessons that they were teaching us, and so it basically explains night and day, Mm -hmm. and why, you know, obviously the big hole is the moon, and the little stars that we see are Mm -hmm. all, like, where the... The hummingbird poked his little hole in the blanket. So Hummer. The, the Hummer. <laughs> little Miss Hummer was humming away. No, so I love this story for so many reasons. Obviously, I feel like this shit made me a communist because it just made me feel like everybody is equal. Everybody has their own skill and we need to work together and cooperate instead of compete and that's that's the whole point mm-hmm. and I don't know I just I think it's so sweet and especially again if we're looking at what this says about you know the Chumash culture obviously collaboration mm-hmm. uh, and cooperation were valued very highly everyone having their own skill and just that belief that everybody has their own thing that makes them special I'm like yes mm-hmm. that's so true and that's how I feel and I don't know, I just, I think it's it's a very beautiful story. What did you think? I think, also it has lasting imagery that we all, like, know, like, when we look into the night sky and there's a full moon, like, now there's meaning with this story behind it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of this, like, ancient or these stories that are passed down, this folklore, is a lot of, like, trying to explain these things that we're not sure about. 
like explaining the unexplainable but like using a story and I think it's so beautiful like that we we still have these things today and we had them long long ago and you know having these explanations and these stories and I think it is just so beautiful like explaining like how human nature works and how collaboration works and and then combining it with nature and you know, nighttime. And I don't know, it's just beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. like combining so many things. Yeah. And I think that really good legends, stories, myths do that. They have multiple opportunities for different, I guess, themes to come out and different truths to be told. And I do think it's really interesting just to think about how these stories are formed in the first place, because if we're talking about art and how art is created, myths and stories like this are collective art that Mm -hmm. different human beings have, like, put their spin on. And it's kind of like, you know, we've been painting, too. I feel like that, (laughs) the one painting that we've been doing has really inspired me a lot. It's made me think about it very differently. Because every single word you add to a script, every paintbrush stroke you add to a painting, it changes it entirely. Mm -hmm. And it, like, almost, the more you add to it, the more pure it becomes. And I think about how these stories have been changed and edited so many times by so many different human beings that it almost gets to the truth a lot faster because it's been worked on by so many people, if that makes sense. Yeah, people have been tweaking it over time and making it more almost like succinct and like what they're trying to get across. Mm -hmm. And in what's important in their culture to even be telling. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, this is a really important message that we need to work together, that we're stronger when we work together, and when we all have our own strengths, and, you know, that is, I feel like, a lesson that we all need to be hearing right now, and the Mm -hmm. fact that they repeat it so much within their culture, obviously, it's an important lesson to them, too. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I just, I found it to be so beautiful, and I really like to think about just how how myths are made and why they're so useful to us today. Mm -hmm. So with me specifically and why I think this myth is useful, obviously, you know, you have all of the, the collaboration themes and things like that. But also I was reading a lot about how our, these stories impact our own psyches and how they kind of give us hope because it's almost like, oh, well, I, I know I want to give up and I know that, I feel like the hummingbird who's stuck in the blanket, who just feels like, oh, I I just tried this whole thing, but it still didn't work. But because the hummingbird tried again, I guess I'm going to have to. And so we almost have these little archetypes that exist within our, our collective consciousness that we can pick and choose from and we can see ourselves in. And because we are seeing ourselves through the lens of like that human experience, Mm -hmm. it almost gives us more confidence and ability to get us through whatever it is that we're we're going through. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. And then also just thinking about how these stories connect us to the human experience. It connects us to something much deeper than just our own emotions. So when you think about, I don't know, oh, I have to go live abroad and it's really scary, but you can kind of think of yourself as, I'm just like Odysseus who had to go abroad and had to go do all these things outside of his home and then he can come back and blah, blah, blah. But it's basically, it's work. We can recognize that what we're going through, obviously we're not the only ones to go through it, but also it's something that most humans have had to go through, if Mm -hmm. not all humans have had to go through. Yeah, and I feel like 
because these stories are so ancient and old, sometimes these, like, ancient things feel so far away and disconnecting. Like, if I am seeing these old ruins, I'm like, oh, I just wish I had known, like, something about them other than these ruins. But because of these stories, that gives us a connection. And not only a connection to them, but, like, a relatability. Like, this persistence of, like, the way human nature is and, like, that you can learn from these stories that were, you know, formed thousands of years ago or whatever and still learn something today from that. And I think that's kind of magical. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's um you know, you get to learn something from the people of old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially myths, again, they just, like, they're, like, the bottled down, you know, mm-hmm. lesson of what humans need to know. Yeah. And it has just been, like, perfected and polished over and over and over again. So I just feel like they're so important. And obviously we love stories in our culture. We're obsessed with watching, you know, stories play out, mm-hmm. whether they be on TV and movies and books. Like, we surround ourselves with stories. And the way we see our lives, like, is through the lens yeah. of storytelling. Like, you never say oh, I woke up, I brushed my teeth. You never, when you go through, you know, the story of your day, you don't Mm -hmm. say everything that happened. You kind of start with a beginning, middle, end. Yeah. And it's also how we make sense of the bad things that happened in our lives because Mm -hmm. we can see, oh, well, this happened, then this, but now it's all good because this happened. And I just think, like, stories are so interesting (laughs) psychologically. And also that it's the way we remember things better, too. Like, Mm -hmm. again, with the cautionary tales, you're going to remember it more likely than if someone just said, hey, don't go in there. If you know that there's, like, a scary monster waiting for you, then mm-hmm. you're less likely to go in there. Yeah. So, I don't know. We are just, we're just storytellers. We're all just little jesters. <laughs> we, we we're the jesters of our lives. We, we just, are. We do. I make stories all the time up of, like, oh, like, my dog, he, he, like, likes to wag his tail because he's happy. I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe he's just excited. I don't know what I'm getting <laughs> at. But I make stories up all the time. Yeah, it's fun to live in story delusion land. That's where I choose. Well, I feel like that's where we all live, whether we want to believe it or not. Yeah, I mean, it could go the bad way, too. You could tell yourself bad stories that aren't... People often do. People tell themselves stories of, like, I suck, I will never be able to mm-hmm. do this, This ha- good things happen to other people, but not me, but that's all just more storytelling, yeah, and if you like, told yourself... oh, I just have the worst luck, like, mm-hmm. I, everything bad happens to me, but... Mm-hmm. You know, that's a story too, I guess. It's definitely a story. And you can always tell yourself whatever little story yeah. you want. So it's like, you're going to have to tell yeah. yourself tell little yourself stories nice anyway. Stories. Yeah. All right? Yeah, come on. So that's what we're here to do. We're telling you guys, well, I don't know about Sarah's oh, well, stories. Mine we <laughs> was nice. No, fairies are fun. Um, should, I should I talk? Please, I can't wait to hear about these fairies. All right, so we're going to Ireland, everyone. So fairies are very prominent in Irish culture. I didn't know this. I This is all research that I've done over the past couple days. This is not from your Irish This is not from my Irish your, knowledge. But your ancestry. I will say that I did have a huge fairy phase when I was a child, and I thought I saw them everywhere. And I thought I, they were my friends, and I would leave, like, clothes and houses for them. I'd make houses. Um, and I was like, oh, these are fairy forts and stuff like that. So it was very like diving into the, this inner psyche of myself and like seeing like, okay, so here's like actual fairy lore, not just stuff I made up. Okay. So Ireland, the, the, the foundation of Ireland, uh, according to mythology was controlled by the Tuhat de Danann, 
which is a tribe basically of divine magical beings basically that were living in Ireland to start off with so they are the native Irish and then according to legend they got in a war with the Celts and lost <laughs> wait so the the Celts are not the, Celts, the Gaelics? No. Those are different? They came in and they uh, apparently so, fought with the Tuat de Danon. So, okay, so what does Gaelic mean then? Gaelic, I just, I think it means like Irish. But I'm it not exactly sure. a little sure. gay. A Gaelic. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, so they lost against the Gaelic and, and the Gaelic, the Celts, um, took over the land and that's the beginning of Ireland as in humans that we know it. <laughs> um, so these, uh, the Tuat de Danon, they were forced underground to live in kind of a parallel universe or, or otherwise known as the other world. Ooh. And because they were forced underground, they became the, the she, which <laughs> means fairies, basically. And today they're called fairies, we folk. <laughs> or just little people <laughs> um and if you have uh the ability to see fairies it means you have a gift so uh usually they're invisible um but they live among us they're everywhere um so you're gifted as a child yeah they also say you know if you're a child you can see them and then once you grow old you kind of like you know peter pan <laughs> i guess <laughs> once you grow old you lose the gift but I don't know, maybe I did have the gift as a kid. I believe it. I believe it. Okay, so here are some characteristics of what fairies are. So in um, in Irish lore, they don't have wings. They can fly, but they don't need wings. Oh. They can just use their magic. Sorry. They're also two to three feet tall. Um, so that's actually pretty big, um, I would say. I thought they were going to be like tiny, teeny, like Tinkerbell. Yeah. And they're much like humans because they did, you know, live on Earth, apparently. According to the lore. And they drink, they party, they dance, but they also farm and they start families. Oh, okay, so yeah, very much like humans. Uh, however, they are easily, easily offended. <laughs> also like <laughs> humans? <laughs> Especially by humans. Um, and I, I guess that makes sense because they were forced underground uh, yeah. by the Celts. So I could see why they'd be a little vengeful a little bitter sure and so they can use their magic to take people and this oh. is like a um a big thing in ireland when people went and disappeared they're like oh they've been taken by the fairies <laughs> or even like uh they can control your mind your body oh. or both or they oh. could just take you and you have to get advice from an old woman who's <laughs> versed in fairy lore and follow her specific instructions to hopefully get your human back. But they also, here's a here's more about what they like. They like gold, they like whiskey, milk, and tobacco. But they hate bread, which I was like, bread! They hate bread, they hate salt, and they hate Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk more about Christianity and their odds with the fairies. Okay, um, so quick question. What okay. do you think... All well, from what you know, just from this information, uh -huh. what do you think that says about the Irish culture that they believe in these fairies? Well, I feel like it's interesting. I had no idea that the fairies were the original, you know, inhabitants of Ireland um, as the island. And I feel like that is why also they're, you know, kind of respected and feared. <laughs> <laughs> the fairies are respected and feared, but... 
the Irish are very whimsical, I feel I know, like. I I was going to say that was my first thought. I just feel like, good for them. I, it, it, it is a little scary at parts, this, like, fairy lore, but I do feel like it's whimsical. They have a lot of respect for the other world type things. With Christianity, I think it changed a little bit, the narrative of fairies, but I'll get to that, that later. But, I mean, when I went to Ireland, I felt it, there is a whimsy to it. There is a magical element. And even today, I feel like they have a lot of connection to these old and ancient traditions. So, I'm going to tell you more about the other world, the fairy <laughs> world. So, according to um, the lore... One night in fairyland is equivalent to one year. So if you are taken to fairyland or if you're, you are invited into fairyland, you could lose years of your life, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you could have a great night, but then you come back and it's a year later. And so you can't be employed by fairies, like I said. Or I you don't can know. be employed? You can be employed. Do they um, offer benefits? Here, here is the, the, the qualifications or the... Um, the job requirements for fairies. So you can either work for a fairy for one year or seven years. Seven is a very <laughs> prominent... big distinction. Yeah, seven is a very, like, um, important number in Irish mythology. Not sure why, I just know that seven is very important. As someone born on May 7, mm -hmm. I stand. Okay. Um, so you can be a servant to the fairies or a farmer, and you could be a laborer, basically. Um, and seven years, if you work for seven years, it gets you a magical gift. Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, get, magical gift is not uh, specified. It just says you can get a magical gift. So that could be anything, basically. Um, but then they're a little tricky. So if you talk about your experience working for fairies... You get punished. <laughs> it's like the Kardashians. They do not like that. Yeah, you have to sign an NDA. Um, or they take away your voice or your memory. So oh. you either can't remember or you can't talk about it. Mm. So, uh. and then also they can scam you. So usually their payment, <laughs> their benefits, their payment is either a magic coin. So it's like reappears. It's like money that you pay, you can, you know pay for stuff and then it comes back and then you know it's it's constant you always have money mm -hmm. um then that comes with its own little curses as well but or you could get the trick money and they pay you and then you go back to the real world and it disappears so Aww. Aww. after seven years of all hard work, for nothing well uh -huh. usually well, for seven years you get, you get a, seven years you get a magic gift mm. um so yeah if you want to work for fairies that's the qualifications wow they're scamming yeah but also if they invite you to work and you reject them you're still like messing with the fairies <laughs> usually it's like a lose-lose situation yeah they, the time for humans they, it, it results in usually a fairy infestation they'll like come into your house and they'll like mess your life up <laughs> but okay so there's employment but there's also parties because fairies love to party <laughs> an invitation to a party allows you to go to the other world and you can go to other places on earth so you can kind of like it's like a portal you can either go to their world or you can go travel somewhere else but you got to be careful again because one night equals one year mm. okay so how do you get to the other world you may ask. I ask. So there's caves, tombs, and tree hollows. You know, like, the, that's kind of whimsy. Mm -hmm. And especially in uh, Ireland, they do have, like, 
places where they're like, these are where the fairies live. One of them is the Green Isle, which is an island off the Causeway Coast that you can visit. And apparently if a lot of fairies live there, they also have the Oyunaget Cave. Excuse me if you're Irish out there and I mispronounced that, sorry. And that was a, a considered a portal too. But when Christians came, they renamed that the entrance to hell. No, they would. The Christians were such haters. Wait, is it the Christians or the Catholics or um, I, both? I think because I think a combination it, of both. Is it? They're, ca- Wait, they're pretty Catholic. Okay, this is like really showing how bad my Irish history, my Irish like British history is. But, okay, so I know that the Irish are Catholic, and the Christians, or the the British and, like, the North Ireland people are Christian, right? Yeah, Protestant. Protestant. But I think think primarily they were Catholic before Protestant. I I think they had to... I feel like not on their own accord, right? I feel like they might... You know what it probably was? It's probably England coming in and being like, oh, you're Catholic now, and we also own you. And then... Now we're Protestant, and you guys didn't change. Well, now you're fucked. That's my my guess because I know that Halloween used to be like a um, Samhain. What? Samhain. <laughs> what is that? Is that how you say it in Gaelic? Samhain. I, yeah, it's like Halloween, basically. Oh well, so yeah, okay, so that's what it was, and it was more of like a spiritual. Yeah, it yeah. was a pagan tradition, and then the Catholics came in and made it All Saints Day, All Hallows Eve. You know, mm-hmm. that's bad. So, th- I know it was the Catholics at one point. Because Catholics like saints and Protestants don't care as much. That's what I, that's my understanding. Protestants are my more, uh, I feel like, independent. They don't, they don't follow uh, like, saints or Yeah, priests. Catholics do the saints. Yes. And then I feel like the Protestants don't. Yeah, and that, I mean, this also is I- interesting with this fairy stuff that I'm getting into. But... Yeah, a lot of these old ancient things, like Neolithic tombs, buildings from the Iron Age. So those are called fairy forts. These ancient things have a lot of connection to the mythology. They're explained through mythology. And the fairy forts are the most important. And the only way you can escape a fairy fort is if you're pulled out with a branch from like a specific ash tree. And today, these fairy forts, these Neolithic tombs and stuff, are not disturbed because nobody wants to mess with the fairies. Um, Fair enough. Even if people, like, don't uh, believe in fairies, they still, like, you know, you don't want to mess with, like, (laughs) this, like, Neolithic, like, ancient stuff. So even in in 1999, they rerouted a, a freeway, a motorway, as they say in Ireland, to save a fairy tree. So, like, they're very superstitious I guess mm-hmm. they don't want to like cut nobody wants to do like cutting down hawthorn trees hawthorn trees are fairy trees or tumble over <laughs> a neolithic tomb or a fairy for these iron age like foundations because they don't want to mess with the fairies so yeah to this day it's like very prominent in Irish history and there's still like terms today that you could use like oh he's with the fairies, that means he's, like, gone crazy, basically. <laughs> and a lot of people, I mean, even in, like, the 1800s, they would say, like, witches and fairies have taken over people and they would burn them at the stake. So oh. there's still a lot of fairy lore. And I feel like they've become bad because of uh, this Christianity had taken over and pagan became, like, more of a cursed 
bad thing. Yeah, like, sacrilegious. Yeah, it became sacrilegious, basically. Because people all believed in the fairies, and then the Christians couldn't be like, stop believing in the fairies. Mm -hmm. So they're like, we'll rebrand them. (laughs) As evil. (laughs) We'll rebrand them as evil, and, I mean, they already were kind of, like, vengeful. A little mischievous. A little mischievous. I mean... The way that they were before Christianity is is hard to discover because... We don't have a lot of record. Yeah, we don't have a lot of record of it. And uh, it's just changed over time because Mm -hmm. of Christianity, I think. So, fairies became scary, sinful. Scary um, fairies. Described as lustful, devious creatures that could delight you with one moment and then kill you the next. They're often villains in cautionary tales to promote Christian values. <laughs> um, they're often tricking people who are going against Christian values or um, against saints and stuff, uh, and they are ultimately punished. Uh, either the fairies are, or usually the fairy is tricking someone who is going to the bad side, rather. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then... Some famous Irish fairies you might already know. Uh, leprechauns, for example. They are oh. considered fairies. They're, like, in the three feet tall category. I know, I they are, that. yeah. That checks out. That they're, they're a specific type of fairy characterized as old, solitary man <laughs> who drinks heavily and makes shoes. <laughs> and he usually hides in cellars because that's where he can buy the booze. Uh, Does he have a little pot of gold? Yeah, usually if you, yeah, I think everyone knows, but a leprechaun <laughs> um, basically gives you a riddle. He's very tricky, though, as you, as you probably already know, he's mischievous. He's so him. So he'll give you a little riddle, and if you solve it, or you find the end of the rainbow, uh, he, he leads you to a rainbow, and then at the end of the rainbow is a pot of gold. So, yeah, but usually he's mischievous. And then the other one is scary. Uh, it's called the Banshee. You know, the, he, she's screeching like a Banshee. Mm-hmm. So Banshee literally means in Gaelic, woman fairy, fairy woman. <laughs> <laughs> she means fairy, bad means woman. But she's basically like the Grim Reaper or La Llorona. She's like a character that symbolizes death to come. Mm. Death. To them all. Death to the fairy. Um, not the fairies. Death to the humans. I mean, it's very similar to, I feel like... To La Wendy Ur- Williams? Ur- <laughs> <laughs> she's Wendy Williams. <laughs> no, she's like La Llorona. Basically, she appears and she's crying. She's an old woman in black with long gray hair and like red eyes from crying. And she just is like screeching. And so when you see or hear her, you know that death is coming to you or someone you know. So that's basically what I have on fairies, but I, I feel like we can reflect on what we think about them. I love to reflect. Yes, let's reflect. So usually I feel like fairies, I mean, in ancient times, whatever folklore they had was in order to explain things. Like, uh, we like did not... Like natural phenomena. Like yeah. mother or grandmother moon or grandfather mm-hmm. son. Nat- natural phenomenon. So we don't... I mean, even now, we probably have things that we're using to explain things that we actually don't really know. So when people had diseases, when people disappeared, like, they were often like, oh, it's the fairies. There's some sort of conclusion that comes with having this mythological, whimsical people. Because you're not supposed to understand everything about Mm -hmm. them. Which, you know what? I like that too. There are so, so many things that we just don't understand as human beings. 
that I kind of like just accepting that it's something that we don't know and this is our our mm-hmm. version of what we think it could be, but it's still something we don't understand. Like I think that's in fact I think it's cute. Yeah, I, I find it wholesome. And uh, specifically for Ireland, I feel like having this this folklore is very very prominent in their culture. Um, these fairies, druids. Um, the mountains are described from, like, folklore. That's how they were formed by, I think it was the hag. <laughs> the hag of Vera. She um, would drop pebbles on her way walking across the causeways or whatever, and they became mountains. They grew and became mountains. So it's just such a cute little, I mean, it's not cute, but it's, like, very fun way of viewing what's around you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, again, as I was saying, in Ireland, they had, there's a lot of Ireland that, you know, they've been taken over by England and they've had the famine and things like these that are, that have kept Ireland kind of in suffering. So they have a strong nationalism with these stories, these Gaelic stories that they've kept going and the language that they keep going. And I feel like it has a strong national identity because of these, this lore and this uh, these stories that have been passed on from way long ago. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, I think what's also fun about mythology and what you can do is just throughout the years, you can see how history has changed the way people interact with it and how people see it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, fairies might have been more chill and less uh, angry and less mm-hmm. likely to hurt you pre-British colonization. And then the British came in, they're saying, no, you all these beliefs are bad, then maybe the fairies get a little meaner. But the fact that you can see that it's still such a big deal in Irish history, and like they really held on to that culture, I mean, I think that speaks volumes about the Irish. Mm-hmm. And if you know, historically, they've been constantly fighting for their own independence, and that's been a big struggle, a big theme for them. So the mm-hmm. fact that they have held on to their lore and these old ancient belief systems... I think that's really beautiful, and it shows their devotion to staying that way. Yeah, and they they incorporate it into new forms of media and art. Like, they do use a lot of this old, like, way of singing, and there are, they use um, these stories in new poems and in literature that they reference back. So it's it is like a very national thing to um, reference this mythology, and I don't know. I I mean I didn't know about much of the folklore of Ireland, and then diving into the fairies and and then a little bit of other things in Ireland. It's like oh, this is really interesting and I'm like I guess this is like the stories of my people like that they told (laughs) you're literally an Irish citizen you're like well I guess this is relevant to me (laughs) yeah I mean it was cute I I I thought it was it was cool and now there's a lot of places in Ireland uh like a lot of places that have to do with mythology like there's there's rocks the giant causeway the, the green isle that are have the story connected to it. There's a lot of places you can go. So I'm like, I gotta go and, like, have my little fairy moments. But not mess with them. I don't want to disturb them. I don't want to, you know, get infested with fairies. But but I do, I think that it's, like, such a magical little place that you can, like, see a tree and be like, oh, that's a fairy tree. Mm -hmm. But also, I feel like, to me, it just says a lot about how... The Irish respect nature. I mean, you literally said that they would, like, make, you know, they didn't want to cut down these trees. Yeah, they would reroute. 
and reroute, you know, these things. So I just think that's like obviously they respect nature and you can see that theme again with the um the hole in the blanket story that I told mm-hmm. of just like the the respect of nature really being a part of these fairy tale fairy tales. Whereas whereas some other mythology like Cinderella, that bitch is never talking about nature. Sure, mm-hmm. she talked to the birds, but other than that, she's not like looking at that grandmother earth or grandmother, <laughs> grandmother moon. moon. <laughs> so I you know, it obviously can reflect what a culture values and just what's interesting to them. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I I love talking about this stuff because I just think it's really interesting and it puts us in conversation with the humans of our past. Yeah, our ancestors. It, exactly. I think it does, like, have this long-lasting, bigger-than-us connection mm-hmm. with, you know, humankind. The, I know. Over years and years. It's a beautiful thing that we have and can share with each other. Yeah, I feel like I forget all the time that I am a human being, a part of this community, a part of this species, and... I'm just another variation of that, but also I'm in a very important, I'm a very important part of that just because I am simply a part of it. Like if we, I don't know, I think a lot about how we have a collective consciousness as humans and I always think that what I do is so small or the people I interact with, the ideas I share is so small, but when I, I'm just as a part of this consciousness as you are, as anyone else that has a larger voice. Mm -hmm. So... It's just kind of nice to have things like this remind us that, oh, we're a part of something that not only just a part of a species that is huge, that exists all over Earth right now, but we're a part of a species that has been around the block. I mean, you know, not that long compared to a lot of the the plants and the Earth herself, but we've been here for a hot minute and I think it's really important to take into account what people said in the past because they they've been living this human experience for so long and the fact that we still tell these stories and these myths there's still so much to learn from them and they're just like little nuggets of truth that i feel like have been fine-tuned and we like them they're entertaining they're just like really easy to consume but they also tell us so much about life yes i I I agree and i just yeah a lot of people are really obsessed with telling stories whether again it be cinema Broadway, you know, mm-hmm. books, everything is just kind of storytelling. And so I I feel really happy that, first of all, we did this episode because we're just, just by telling our stories and telling the lore, we're partaking in such an ancient tradition that humans have been doing forever. Yeah. But it also has forced me to think really deeply about it. And especially with our script that we're writing, I just think it's, it makes me recenter, like, what are we trying to do here? Mm-hmm. What What's going on? And how to do that and especially I mean I didn't go to film school so I didn't really learn how to write a script and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so I feel like I didn't even know where to start when we were doing that but doing all this research and learning about stories in general has been really grounding for me and again it just connects me to this ancient art form that we've been doing for so long that other humans have been participating in so it makes me feel like aww yeah makes me feel like a little piece of salt in a primordial soup (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to explain it other than that. It makes me, it feels so good to be like, I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And it's not like, I'm not the only one feeling these emotions. I'm not the only mm-hmm. one dealing with tragedy or hardship in my life. Yeah. It's because of the fairies. 
And now that I know it's the yeah. fairies' fault. Those <laughs> damn scary. fairies are messing in my life again. They're always doing something. Anything, everything that happens wrong. I'm like, those damn the fairies. fairies. But I feel like you can't talk shit about them because then they'll, then they'll be like, they'll kill zip you. It. Zip it. We'll erase your voice. They're going to sew your mouth shut. They will erase your memory. Don't mess with the fairies. Yeah. I am a little more scared of them today. Yeah. For sure. A little more uh, respectful. Yeah. The, definitely, like, respectful. They're yeah. Respected, but feared. But feared. I have a fairy garden in my little garden, but it's not nearly the size I would like it to be. It's really small. I only have a few items. But it's just kind of expensive. But mm-hmm. I do want to provide the fairies in my garden a nice home so that they can just help keep things moving along. Well, yeah. Uh, but also, Ireland has its own, like, specific fairy. But they're, in Europe, they have, like, the fae. The fa- like, that's where fairy comes mm-hmm. from. Like, she in Irish means fairy. So that's what they came from. But in, in Europe, they have a lot of different, you know, the fairies with the wings and, like, stuff, you know. So, maybe there are different types of fairies out there, and I don't even know. I just study the Irish ones. They're probably, like, German fairies. The German fairies. They have little German accents and the German... A little French fairies or little Spanish fairies. Yeah. There's probably, you know, different types of fairies, you know, besides the Irish one. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode just on fairies around the world. Oh, my God. (laughs) And you know what? Maybe we will. The fairy. The fairy. The fairies. That's what they call them. Well, thank you so much for teaching us about the fairies today. Oh, thank you so much for teaching me about the Chumash. I know. I just feel like it's fun. You know, for you, it's directly, like, your culture, obviously. You are an Irish person. Yeah. So this is fun for you to feel more in touch with that. But I also feel like for us, it's fun to be in touch with the people's like, beliefs who've lived here for yeah, a long time. Yeah, because we grew up here. You know. We know the land more. Exactly. And so I just feel like if we're talking about sharing different cultures and different perspectives, I just thought it would be so cool for, you know, all my Californian hosts, especially if y'all live in Ventura County, uh-huh. <laughs> since we're on Chumash land, I feel like it is really important to try to just at least try to get some of the wisdom that they have to share with us, but also just to learn and to respect it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're all about cross-cultural conversations and connections. So this has been very, very fun to talk about today. Thank you once again for being on the pod, Sarah. Oh, of course. Anytime. Always such a joy. If you would like to support us, you can subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash culturallyconscious. You could also follow our Instagram at culturallyconsciouspod. Or if you would like to send us an email, we would love to hear about any other myths or stories from your culture. Or if you just have any comments that you want to say on it. Or if you have any episode suggestions or anything specifically that you would like us to discuss. Please email us at culturallyconsciouspod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. As per usual, guys, it's been so fun just to be building this little community with you. And I hope that we can be a little bit more in conversations and we can share everything, you know, from our little cultures. Because we have a lot of listeners from all around the world. So I know y'all are international. I know y'all got shit to say. And I just want to hear it. Hi, y'all. Hi, y'all. Every single episode that, like, comes out, we get, like, more international listeners. Mm -hmm. Like, we just got our first hello. Not not to, like, freak you guys out, but I like to pay attention to see where people are listening from. It's so cute. It's like, hello from... 
California. Yeah, you get to learn a little bit more about our culture and what we're what we're thinking and feeling from over here. But we want to hear what you guys have to say too, because that's all I want to do. Mm-hmm. I just want to chat with you guys. So. Yeah, please send us yeah. an email. Don't or be shy. Don't be shy. We're nice. We you... don't bite. No, we're, we're, we're no fairies. Trust me. We're more like hummingbirds. We're hummers. We're hummers. <laughs> fairies. Hummer. We're hummer. The car. The hummer. <laughs> Those big cars. But anyway, yeah, please send us a little email. But thank you so much for listening as per usual. And thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Do you know how to say goodbye in, like, fairy? Because I know that that book, it had, like, fairy um, translations. Honestly, no. Do you know how to say it in Gaelic? No. I should, <laughs> like, how to say it it's in a hard language, English? I feel like. Yes, I know how to say goodbye in English. Okay, so like, it's goodbye. Goodbye. All right, well, we will say that. So, goodbye, everyone.